Welcome to Trivially Crucial, where we believe every secret friend, huge adventure, and learned lesson is important and critical to our lives, no matter how childish the story may seem. I'm Michael, and with me, as usual, is Mandy, and today we're talking about why children's media should be taken seriously. So, uh, Mandy, you and I both care a lot about this, and as usual, I'm going to let you start us off. (laughs) Um... Well, children's media is, uh, I I don't even know where to begin. I mean, (laughs) it's, it's great. I love it. I know you love it. Um, maybe we should start out defining what we mean by, uh, children's media. Uh, Uh, I mean, it's pretty straightforward media that in general, the audience is intended to be younger than 18 (laughs) not even necessarily uh you know you might think children and you might think much younger uh but generally things aimed at teenagers are considered to be children's media as well um so it's a whole it's a whole slew a, a whole realm of storytelling that that goes from you know the stories you tell your uh you know toddler to uh the books and movies and video games and comics that teenagers are reading um, that are aimed at them, uh, not the ones that are aimed at adults that they read anyway because they can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a pretty um, good way of putting it. Um, I guess today we're probably going to touch on a number of things, like which ones we like and uh, which, which ones we think do a good, really good job of actually being pretty high quality despite being... Uh, aimed at children and why it's uh, we'll also talk about why it's kind of unacceptable for people to just give kids media a pass to when it's not good um that's right i was about to pick on your statement there when you were said children when they're good despite being children's media i was like michael (laughs) (laughs) story should be good regardless of the audience (laughs) and and i was more intending like that the people bother to make it good despite the general despite the general attitude that children's media doesn't need to be, which is not something that I agree with at all. Um, because I would say right. that there is quite a bit of not good children's media because of the fact that kids can't really discern quality as well when they're younger. Um, and it's the kind of thing that gets illustrated really well when you go back and you watch something or read something that you read when you were a little kid and you're like, wow, that was kind of terrible. Um, yeah, and then there are other things that you go back and you read and like that's really good. There are good lessons in there. The story construction was was done really well, um, and I think that it's something that's really funny. You know, a lot of my, my parents, for instance, are not big on media uh, in general, and so I kind of just read and watched whatever I wanted when I was younger. And so there's a lot of stuff that if my parents were the kind of people who went through and watched that stuff with me and were critical of those kinds of things, they would have figured out that this is probably a waste of his time and found better <laughs> stuff for me to watch. But, you know, going when we were young, uh, things were different, I think, when it came to children's media. Because when we were... We are the what I like to describe as the Harry Potter generation. Um, and that Harry Potter came out when we were the perfect age for it. Uh, and we grew up with it from like 10 to, you know, 
what, 2021? Something like that. You know, Harry Potter is coming out during all those years. But before Harry Potter, I think things were very different in children's media across the board, uh, whether that be movies, books, uh, and TV shows. Uh, I think uh, children's media wasn't taken as seriously uh, when we were younger that it is now because of Harry Potter has shown that children have buying power, if you will, <laughs> which is ultimately it's a business, you know, and that's what it comes down to. <laughs> I would agree uh, that Harry Potter has brought the quality levels up, but at the same time, there's definitely quite a bit of stuff sitting on my shelf now that I went back and revisited that was really good that predates Harry Potter. Um, right. I, I agree. There, there was still good stuff out there, just not as much. I, I could probably go with that. Um, so I guess we can talk about what actually makes what makes a piece of children's media good versus not, um, and essentially arguing against the point that people are like, well, look, it's just it's just for kids, so it doesn't really matter if you know whatever bit of story is not done well. Um, do you want to start talking about what kind of things you what kind of things good children's media do? I mean, I think good children's media does what any form of media should do. Uh, it tells a good story. Uh, and ultimately, that's what matters most. Uh, now, depending on the age, you know, people might want it to impart some educational value. Uh, you know, people generally want their three-year-olds to watch a show that's going to teach them how to how to read in addition to, uh, you know, tell a good story. But uh, even at that age, uh, personally, uh, my personal opinion is we... Nowadays, inundate—inundate—I don't know if that's inundate. what we're looking for. I'm, inundate yeah. uh, our children with too much solely educational material and not enough story material. Uh, I have nieces and uh, a nephew who are uh, seven and under, from like seven to one. Um, so I've seen a lot of what's aimed at that age level. Uh, and uh, it often makes me sad that it's all so purely educational because uh, when I was little, the shows I enjoyed most told stories and uh, they, they told good stories. And, and I think that's, that's the goal of any form of storytelling medium is, is to tell a story. Yeah. And so I, I think a big thing that a lot of people luck onto is that, you know, some of the stuff that really catches children's attention will be really flashy and kind of annoying to adults. Um, but even those things, you know, it, it's very, it's not all that difficult to make sure that there's a core to them that if you are a little bit older, you can appreciate that there's more going on there. And even if kids aren't aware of it when it's happening, it doesn't mean they're not gaining something from it. Um, it doesn't mean that they're not gaining the ability to follow other stories when they get older from having coherent stories in their, um, in their childhood. If they have a TV show that has, that is kind of ridden with plot holes and there's not really causal relationships between one thing happening and another, it just means that it's going to take that much longer before they start to look for, you know, before they start to process that <laughs> cause and effect is a thing. Um, I, and that's at a really basic level when we're talking, you know, really, really young children, but but that's true, too, if you have, um, I, I mean, there. of course we have our some of our personal favorites. We mentioned Harry Potter, there's uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender, 
Um, there, and there are a lot of other things that I, I grew up on the Batman, the animated series and other things like that, where you go back and you watch them as an adult and you know that there's a lot of little things. And I don't mean the kinds of jokes that Pixar throws in that are intended for adults to get and kids don't, but there's a lot of levels to the stories that, uh, just thematically that kids don't, might not consciously get, but it is basically teaching them it's teaching them in the way that you don't need to explicitly tell teach somebody something educationally. It's teaching them themes. It's teaching them uh, just the way that people interact. And if you have characters re- uh, interact with one another in a realistic manner, even if it's shrouded in a, in a sort of ridiculous aesthetic that is the you know the surface level of the show, it goes a long way. Um, <laughs> And I think part of the danger of not having good stories for children um, is that uh, I guess this isn't so much for for teenage children. This is when I'm referring to children, like young children, right. uh, like 10 and under. Uh, the danger is then they're going to seek their media in other, other places, adult media, um, which there's nothing wrong with kids reading adult media or watching or whatever. Uh, I have no problems with that. But um, I was a kid who at nine years old jumped straight to adult media. Um, and that was it. Like I didn't start, you know, Harry Potter was like the only thing I read after that that was aimed at kids. Um, I didn't really watch even television that was aimed at kids because it was also dumbed down and patronizing and uh, it annoyed me. And, you know, these things like the plot doesn't make sense. Like it made me feel like they were they thought I was stupid. Um, And so there's nothing wrong with reading adult media. But when all you're reading is adult media, you're missing you're missing those stories that are for that time period in your life when you're young, you know, uh, suddenly you're, you're reading about 30 year old men, you know? <laughs> well, and, and there are often, and that's one of those things that uh, middle grade and young adult stuff, uh, tends to do a lot is have people have protagonists in the ages of the people who the book is targeted towards, because then you can relate to them and kind of help. It helps you think through some of the things that go on in the minds of kids that age. Um, and the same is true of little kids' shows. Um, even if the protagonists aren't little kids, which they are a lot of the time, and other times they aren't, when you're targeting kids that age, you sit there, at, you can you can play on making sure that at the surface there is stuff that the kids can relate to, and then you can have some additional depth later that they'll, that, you know, that some kids will get and some won't, but it at least prepares... It prepares the kids for having discussions on those uh, more advanced themes later, um, or being able to follow media that's just a little bit more advanced. Um, because, for instance, if someone is a kid who is, you know, kind of annoyed with how the stuff isn't really targeted, that there isn't really a lot of intelligence in the media that is generally targeted towards them, and then you end up reading uh, more advanced stuff, you have no idea what is what you're going to be able to follow and what you're not, and you can kind of get lost in some of the adult media out there. Um, or read things that you shouldn't be reading yes. at too young of an age. There is <laughs> Which that happened as well. to me more than once. <laughs> um, so I guess uh, just to drive home, like, some examples, um, 
Well, do you want to start off with some particular examples? Well, maybe maybe things that are similar to one another, but where one was clearly better in terms of children's media, and not and even things that you might have even liked as a kid who, and that in retrospect, were not very good, and why? Um, things that are comparative, <laughs> but not the same. I mean, I would say the older DreamWorks movies, uh, as opposed to um, Pixar, but I think DreamWorks has taken a huge turn recently for the better uh, with things like Rise of the Guardians and How to Train Your Dragon. Um, and uh, Kung Fu Panda is another really good and one. Kung, yeah, th- those are all fantastic. But looking back at, say, uh, Shrek, as opposed to uh, what you know stuff that Pixar was putting out at the same time, which would be like, what? I no, not A Bug's Life, right? Uh, uh, Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2... Um, yeah, th- those all came out. I guess at a, I feel like I feel like Toy Story was much earlier than Shrek. Shrek Shrek was two thousand one, I believe, and T- Toy Story one was nineteen ninety six. Yeah, I, um, so that would have been Toy Story two. Maybe Monsters Inc. Was Monsters Inc. next after Toy Story two? I, I don't remember. I but regardless, this. that that's that that time period right there of of DreamWorks as opposed to Pixar. Um, I mean, I love Shrek, but. Uh, I would say Pixar was doing a better job of... Uh, they were doing better stories. Just making quality children's stories, yes, that everyone of any age could enjoy. Um, whereas, uh, not that Shrek is a, you know, it's not on paper a bad story, but there are just things about it that are that are just of its time. Uh, they're not very, it's not very timeless. This um, goes along with some of what we talked about in our very first episode, which is to say... If we say something isn't as good, that doesn't mean we're saying you can't enjoy it a lot or even enjoy it more. Like, the level to which you enjoy something, and this applies tremendously to children's media, like, children can really enjoy a lot of things, but that shouldn't be the only point. Um, Right. Because there is such a thing as quality that is separate from entertainment value, and those are the things that make them last. Um, uh, Yeah. And, you know, personally, I, especially at that... Uh, at that age, because um, we were children when these movies came out, um, I enjoyed Shrek much more than I enjoyed Toy Story or A Bug's Life. Um, uh, I definitely enjoyed I it more Shrek than A Bug's Life. Much. I liked Toy Story more, but I, I didn't like I A Bug's Life when I was like younger. Um, <laughs> when I was younger, I really hated Toy Story, <laughs> which makes me a strange person. Yes, I know. It does. Um, but yeah. It, enjoyment and quality are separate things and i feel like pixar brings a better quality to the table uh at that time period than than pixar was than than dreamworks was doing as i said i really believe dreamworks has turned it around because rise of the guardians is probably my favorite animated movie of the last year uh hands down so oh my gosh michael i know know. uh (laughs) and how to train your dragon is like one of my favorite movies it's a very good one <laughs> so, I I think they're turning it around, and they're they're making they're making more their stories more timeless and uh, something children and adults can both enjoy. Uh, I had one friend tell me recently uh, that How to Train Your Dragon was her, uh, I believe her her baby is like two, uh, her her favorite movie to watch on repeat right now, and my friend the mom is so happy. Because uh, 
she's like, we get to watch a great movie over and over and over again, as opposed to the crappy movies she always wanted to watch, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, for instance, it's the equivalent of uh, my younger brother being obsessed with The Lion King that he wanted to, when we wanted to watch that over and over. It's like, my parents were really happy it was that and not something bad. So, right. Um, and that's, you know, that's a, a big thing to, the, some of the Disney classics are really good examples as well of things that really did it right versus a lot of the other animated movies that were coming out at the time that you watch now and you're just like, this is kind of dumb. Um, and, and that's just to kind of drive home that it's there. It doesn't mean you couldn't have really, really liked those animated movies when you were younger. I mean, God knows I liked a lot of really bad movies and shows when I was younger. Um, I, a good, another good example, I mentioned the Batman animated series earlier, but at the same time that was on, I was watching everything on TV. So there were definitely like Marvel superhero animated shows that I was watching reruns of the, of the X-Men animated series and, and other ones. And you watch those now and you're just like, wow, they're terrible. But the Batman animated series really holds up. It's really well done piece of media. There's a lot of there are a lot of thematic things in there that just that work really well. And at the time, children's cartoons, including Batman, the animated series were still really serialized or excuse me, really episodic, the opposite of serialized. Um, and it still holds up. There's just a lot of thematic depth to the show. Um, the sure. The animation quality is really good to the point where I couldn't tell the difference when I was younger, but now with a more critical eye, I can see that it's just leaps and bounds above the other stuff that was being made at the time. Um, but the quality is there and I think it does make a huge difference. There's a reason that that show stuck out in my mind more than some of the other shows that I do fondly remember. Um, but even as a kid, I knew it was better. Um, I didn't right. know how much it was better, but I knew it was better. And, and it's the kind of, um, it, I, I, there's a show that I watched when I was younger as called, uh, the pirates of dark water. And as an adult, I was thinking about it and I was kind of remembering fondly, you know, the, the themes I was like, Oh, there were some pretty cool fantasy themes in there. I wonder if it holds up. And then I watched it and it does not hold up in the slightest. It's absolutely terrible. <laughs> and, and it's just, and I guess it, it's funny because the themes just aren't consistent. The, the voice acting is terrible. The animation is terrible. And then the story just is so hokey. Um, <laughs> And, and it makes me think, it's like, wow, I, I really wish that more of what I had watched was actually as good as the Batman animated series was. Because it's almost like, in retrospect, that was kind of wasted time watching that. Um, yeah. What's, it's, what's interesting for me is, uh, I, I think you watched a lot more TV than I did uh, yes. in our single-digit years. Um, and my TV watching was pretty much dominated by my older siblings because uh, you're the oldest in your family yes. and I am the third. Uh, and my older siblings are four to six years older than me. Um, so even though I was six, they would be uh, 10 and 12. So my childhood was spent watching a lot of uh, more of the preteen teenage shows as opposed to the actual shows aimed at me. Um, but uh, book-wise, I can, I can definitely relate, because I read widely and broadly. Uh, yeah. 
I, I joke, but it's true. I read every book in the library at the school I went to in fifth grade. Um, I actually I had a similar thing where I stopped going to the library because I went through the entire children's section of the library and started getting to the adult section and got really confused. And yeah. so I stopped going to the library. Um, and after that, I made my parents spend way too much money on books. Um, oh, I, I did too. Um, <laughs> I, I just remember one of the books series uh, that was really, you know, popular, uh, especially with like my older sister's generation, perhaps more so than ours, uh, was The Babysitter's Club. I really hated The Babysitter's Club. <laughs> and that's because even reading them in single digits, I, I knew they were terrible books. Like, I'd be reading them and I was like, wow. Uh, I just remember being frustrated that they had to tell me the same thing in every book. Like, in every book, they have this chapter that's like, introducing everything you ever needed to know about these characters. Ah, thanks. Um, it's just the stories were heavy-handed. Uh, I, I just really, I just really hated them. Um, and yeah, it's it's just interesting. Uh, most of the books I read in that age period, I've almost completely blocked out of my mind because they were all that level of terrible. I'm um, the same way. I, I remember very few of the books that I read when I was younger. Um, yeah. But the ones that stand out in my mind are the ones that pretty much when I hit the fourth grade, my mom handed me... Uh, uh, a couple, like three books. Um, and she was like, you must read these now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they were A Wrinkle in Time, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and um, uh, uh, The Hobbit. And all of those are fantastic books that hold up. And I remember them vividly. Like, those are the books I remember. The ones that, you know, I haven't read The Hobbit since I read it in fourth grade. Like, no joke. I, it's what? That's like tw- almost 20 years later now. I, I still haven't read The Hobbit. And I remember it vividly. Like, <laughs> um, so it's not just that those books held up because I, you know, reread them at an older date. So I remember them better than the books I read during that time period. Like, I remember reading The Hobbit. And yeah, I mean, I, and I need to reread it. And that's exactly, <laughs> it, it's really, you know, it gets really, it really gets under my skin when people, when I'll go and I'll watch a kid's movie and I will turn to people and be like, that was really bad. That, and people will be like, well, Michael, it's just a kid's movie. And I'm like, well, the oh problem my gosh, is, Michael. the problem is kids have brains too. And it's not yes. really good to just dismiss something as, well, it's just a kid's movie. It's like, who cares if it's just it's not just a kid's movie. It's a kid's movie. It's almost more important that you make sure and start getting the good quality in at a younger age so they can appreciate good stuff when they're older. Um, and yes, can I, can, yes. can I rant about Dr. Who for a moment? Sure. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, so Dr. Who for our listeners, you, you have heard us talk about it, reference it probably before. Um, but you know, it's a science fiction show and you may think, uh, if you're not very familiar with the show, you may think it's an adult show, but it's not. It's a kid's show or a family show, I should say. Um, but in many ways, the intended audience is children. And when people use that as a defense, like when I have a legitimate criticism of the show or anyone does and I see a comment or someone replies or someone tells me it's just like, but kids like it or it's just like, it's for kids. Like you can't, you can't level that level of criticism. You can't bring that level of criticism to a story for kids. It makes me want to throw things like, (laughs) 
I mean, do, first off, do these people not remember being children? <laughs> Let me tell you, when I was a kid, it would have bothered me, the time travel inconsistencies. Like, because that's the kind of family I was raised in. As we discussed, you know, when we discussed the time travel podcast, uh, Terminator is my second favorite thing of all time and has been for as long as I can remember. So that is definitely the kind of thing that would have bothered me as a child. And kids are not stupid. They have brains. Uh, they're... They they think like I uh, this is this is weird to say. Okay, if you ever read Ender's Game, uh, there's some point early on where Ender thinks something like, "Do adults think differently than me?" Like I feel like I feel I think like a normal person, you know. Right. And he's like what six or seven. I'm like that's exactly what I felt like as a kid. And I when I look back on the way I thought when I was a kid, really my thought processes weren't that different. I'm just more informed now. I, it's, my um, thought processes are essentially the same, just faster. And I'm willing to and and I think about my thought processes now. Well, before right. it was, you know, before it was more just an unconscious sort of process that I went through. And um, yeah, and then this is the thing is like, and I don't think we're special in that. I think that kids, no. people, kid, people, when they're kids, want adults to give them more credit than they do. But then for some reason, those same people forget to keep giving kids credit when they get older. And I don't really get yes. that. Right. And, and so it just makes me so mad when people will watch an episode of Doctor Who and they'll be like, well, it wasn't very good. But, you know, it's a kid's show. And I'm just like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? Right, right. <laughs> that, is, that is not the way to think about this at all. Right. And granted, Doctor Who is overall, you know, a good show and a good show to watch as a family. But it doesn't mean that there aren't issues that they should have that they should have done a better job at addressing. Right. Right. Um, uh, and, and there are many things like that, whether it be books or movies or, you know, comics or video games where people will just dismiss it. Like I have a legitimate concern about the quality or the story or the consistency. And they're like, well, it, it's for kids. I, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it aggravates me so much. It's like, well, no, that's the point is I, I know that as a kid, it would bother me and, and you'd be like, wait, how did he get there? And, and I, I do think that depending on how young the kid is when they're watching or reading a, a story and there is that inconsistency, it really, it's not good for the kids either because if you don't end up having the stories where things make co- just coherent sense, they're more likely to just stop reading because they'll be like, oh, books are stupid, or oh, watching right. TV is stupid. It almost gets people... It can get kids who pay attention to that kind of thing consciously rather than only subconsciously, which I think most do, at least on some level. Um, it can get them to dismiss media, and it can lead to that ridiculous thing that we've addressed before, which is when, uh, when people somehow see this stuff as wasting your time. Because right. it shouldn't be taken seriously because, well, you know, people just do whatever they want in stories. And it's like, well, they shouldn't. They should be making coherent stories that make sense in the world that's been established. Um, and there should be more depth to and, it. And, and I think if, uh, if Harry Potter fandom has taught us anything as a society, it should be that children come to stories with almost an innate level of 
obsessiveness or geek quality that uh, adults don't necessarily like we combed through those stories with a fine tooth comb when we were younger. Yes. Like, you know, when we only had three books, we had those three books memorized. We could have told you everything about them and every inconsistency between them because there were, you know, some because with a lot of, you know, longer stories, uh, you know, when the writer is figuring things out, sometimes you get, we, we talked about this before in our continuity retcon thing. Right. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, as we discussed before. But we knew it all. Like, we came to it with a level of dedication and drive that a lot of adults, I won't say all, because I still come to stories with that level of A lot of, of people, it, it's that's kind of a level of attention to detail that is almost exclusive to the geek slash nerd group of people at this point. It, right. By the time you get but, to an adult. But children... Yeah, but children apply that across the board. You know, they they don't know yet whatever causes some adults to not still be geeks, which I can't say because I'm I'm still that way. I am a geek. This is uh, a, <laughs> this is actually it's a hypothesis of mine, and I don't. I, there's no way to test it, but it's a a theory that I have that actually part of the reason that happens is because people write bad stories and bad media that basically makes it not worth people's while to and I, I to think dig that's, into it. That's completely legitimate. I, I think that is a legitimate hypothesis. Uh, we would have to test it. But uh, <laughs> So have I, some kids and deal with give only good <laughs> only good media. Give them to some. only good stories and see how many of them become geeks when they're grown. Well and then you have to have the controls who who read and whatever and then some who have only bad stories and see what happens. Right. I, I think I think in a way though Personally, other than reading, which I read extremely broadly, both good and bad growing up, and my parents had no control over what I read. Uh, when it came to TV and movies, my parents very much controlled what I consumed. And I only consumed good stories. Um, and I am probably one of the, the only person pro- besides you that I know that is a strong defender of television and gets upset <laughs> when people say things like television rots your brain. Um, right. But – Maybe the reason I feel that way is because all the television I was exposed to growing up was fantastically good, you know, like. And so and the, the <laughs> thing is, like, so I came to this differently. I mean, we've established before that your parents are kind of, you know, they're geeks and they introduced you to lots of stuff. And I'm entirely safe made, excuse me, self-made in that geekdom. Like My parents just they're they're just not. So everything right. was what I got my hands on, what I learned to like. And uh, and there were times where my parents got me to watch less TV, but the, and then I would come back to it later. So for basically every single form of media that I like, there have been some point where I've left it entirely and then come back again later and sort of started finding what kind of siphoning it uh, or, you know, filtering out the bad from the good. Um, so I do have an appreciation for TV, and I do understand why some people talk about the television rotting your brain, because I watched some pretty terrible stuff that just, mm-hmm. there was no redeeming value to it growing up, and I had to kind of get to the point where I stopped wasting my time with it. Because there is some stuff that is that is time-wasting, but it doesn't mean the medium itself as a whole is inherently time-wasting. Um, right. And that's true of basically all of these mediums, video games, comics, movies, books, t- TV, um, there are certainly ways to just completely waste your time and not get things out of it, but that's really only if you're only reading things without any kind of depth or creative merit to it. Things that if if 100% of the point is to entertain at a base level, 
yeah, you're probably better off spending your your time elsewhere. But there's so much media out there that that's not what it's like. And, you know, and yes, this does mean that I am judging what some people watch versus what others don't. And there are probably some people who do nothing but veg out in front of mindless television. Um, I don't think, though, I, I almost think, though, that that has to become developed to the point where you start to avoid stuff that isn't mindless. Um, because even people who watch a ton of TV, uh, who tend to watch a lot of mindless TV shows, they also end up, I see those people also end up getting into some of the more creative stuff that's worthwhile and get, and starting to nerd out on it. Um, which means that net, I think they're still gaining something. Yeah. I don't want to go off on a TV tangent too much because I have very strong feelings, (laughs) but, uh, and but we're yeah, also kind of I getting mean, off of the children's media thing because it does connect to all media. It, um, yeah, it, it does connect. And it goes back to your, your geek hypothesis. Um, but yeah, I, I think maybe now we should talk about not just, uh, you know, children's media, good or bad for kids, but why we as adults or you, our listener as an adult should be paying attention, watching, listening, reading, children's media that's a i think that's a good direction to go in um so for me a lot of it is that because children's media are targeted towards children a lot of the time the stories will be a little bit simpler that does not mean worse that does not mean having less value to them but they won't a lot of the time they won't get overblown the way that some adult media goes a little bit too far with some themes um the, the shades of gray mechanic is a really big thing in adult media that sometimes you just kind of roll your eyes at how ridiculous they get with uh, moral shades of gray. And children's media, good children's media, will often have the moral shades of gray, but it won't get ridiculous. It'll just kind of introduce the concept, and it'll have some sort of in, you know interesting interaction introducing the concept of just the, the thought of this character... You think of them as a bad guy at first, but hey, look at all this other stuff that's going on. They're not so bad after all. Um, and it's a really good way of accessing good stories that boil down some themes into simpler, purer tellings of of those stories, which is something I really enjoy a lot. Um, and I think it's something that really provides a lot of value to us as adults um, to not get jaded on on storyline, uh, on kind of ridiculous things. Like you can have a purer, simpler story that has a lot of depth to it and has a lot of things going on at a, at a lower level. Um, I, I think, uh, the, the simpler story I think is true, uh, especially in, uh, you know, young children and middle grade, I think in YA, that's when things start, uh, spreading out. But, uh, YA as a, a genre right now is more, personal focused, um, which helps the story to not get too crazy. Uh, even when things are crazy complicated, it's, for example, the Hunger Games. Uh, e- even when the story is about this crazy dystopian future uh, and Lord knows who you should trust anymore, um, it's really still just a story about Katniss. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that keeps it from getting too... Um, overblown like you were saying which adult stories uh do tend to do and you know uh things like the hunger games and other ya books do tend to push that line of you know things are gray but i agree they don't necessarily always go the crazy levels that uh, adult stories sometimes go um but i think probably the biggest reason why you should read uh 
or watch children's media is, frankly, it's not that different from adult media. And to say you're going to cut yourself off from a whole slew of stories because it's not aimed at theoretically your age level is silly. Uh, I mean, I was thinking about this before uh, we were podcasting. And um, th- actually, this is something I think about a lot. Uh, what's the difference, especially in YA? What's the difference between YA and adult? Um, and really, when it comes to what stories they're telling, it's not that different. I mean, uh, The Name of the Wind is about a 16-year-old. Yeah. And theoretically, that's an adult story, but that could just as easily be sold in the YA section. I mean, it's a coming-of-age story. Um, so far. So, well, I so guess far. the name of the wind yes. is the series is so far. We'll that we don't know where that's going. Yeah, we we don't know how old Quoth is in the end, though he's not that old. Um, <laughs> but uh, the Wheel of Time, the characters go from age. Well, the male characters go from age about eighteen to twenty-one. The female character, uh, main one that we follow, Egwene, goes from about sixteen to nineteen. So <laughs> that's easily. You know, like you, you, adults are already reading these stories about teenagers. Um, wh- why is it that different to read a book that's sold in the section that says teenagers? You know, um, coming of age is a classic story that we all have interest in, no matter how old we are. Um, and that's because it's about discovering who you are. And I think no matter how old we are, we still, to a certain level, are discovering who we are. Uh, very few people are stagnant. Right, they're yeah. they're always changing, and every every period in your life is a new period in your life. Um, and I think teenage age and middle grade, uh, which middle grade would be like your Harry Potter, Percy Jackson age, are possibly when you're feeling those changes the most because it's so rapid. Um, so it's almost like children's fiction at that age level, the the ten to twenty year old, let's say age level, yeah. uh, is the uh, is the pea plant. One minute. I'm going to make this make sense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what I mean by pea, pea plant, um, is it Mindelev? Mindel? Uh, is gosh, it Mindel? One minute. I got it. Both of those are, are actual names. Um, uh, yeah. I can't remember if it's Mindel or Mindelev. <laughs> uh, I think it's Mindel who uh, was trying to study genetics um, and it was too you can't do that in something as long lived as humans well you can but not at his lifetime age if you were an alien race that lived for hundreds of thousands of years you could use humans uh but he was not he is human uh so he needed something he could he could study rapidly um so he used uh pea plants essentially uh which have a bit much shorter lifetime and he could um study the genetic re- like how how things developed and the genetic the genetic transfer and and how things mutated and changed after many generations. And then fruit flies um, later, or was that somebody else? Uh, I don't know if Mendel actually did fruit flies, uh, but they are used for the same reason. So they, they're used for the same reason. Uh, yeah, it's definitely Mendel. I just found it on Wikipedia. Uh, the pea experiments are like his big thing. Uh, so in, in many ways. Uh, that age range of children's literature, that, that age range in our life, we, we do develop more rapidly as a child than we do as an adult, which is not to say adults aren't changing and developing. It's just more rapid as a child. Um, and, and I think children's literature can be used as that pea plant for us, like studying how in a more rapid environment these people change uh, could still be applied to our lives as adults. Um, 
they're just the pea plant and we're the, I don't know, the oak tree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I I think from that perspective, it's still important uh, to read these stories. And going back to a show we've talked about before, um, Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, that that's a fantastic show for all ages. Um, it's a great story, and, and though we've talked about how it is uh, predictable, um, that that doesn't make it any less of a great story. Right. Um, I, and for you to say I'm not going to watch this because it's a cartoon and it's for kids is you're doing yourself a disservice if, yes. if that's your point of view. I, I agree entirely. Uh, of course I do, um, and, and that's that's the. Really, like you know, it's true of Avatar. It's true of it's true of a lot of other things. But I mean, we've talked before about how we think that Avatar is really it's one of the best TV shows I've seen, um, regardless of target age or whether it's animated or live action. It's just one of the best shows I've seen, and it's just a, a really well constructed story with really consistent characters. Or, um, and by consistent, I mean in believable consistency, not necessarily that. I mean people in general, are inconsistent. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it's just really solidly put together, and as you said, you're just doing yourself a disservice to dismiss it because it's it targets children. And it's the kind of thing is, because things like that exist, it validates decent criticism of other children's media. Um, because you can make things that are better. And, and because of how good Avatar is, the kids that I've met who watch it they may not be able to to articulate why it's better, but they know it's better. They are obsessed with that show. And that makes perfect sense because there's just so much more there to hold together. Um, it's not just... It, it, the characters themselves feel like people who would actually do things or not do things versus a lot of other kids' shows where it's like, oh, um, okay, there's some 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 action that happens every once in a while. Um, now granted, I don't watch as much children's TV as I used to, but I, but from what I understand, there's, there's plenty of other shows that are in the same boat. Um, and to go on things that target a younger audience. Now, this is not something I've, I know. So I, I am speaking out of a certain level of ignorance, but from whatever people have told me, uh, adventure time is a really good piece of kit. It's a really good kids cartoon. And essentially um, and from what some pe- friends of mine who are actually even older than I am have talked to me about is there are themes in there that kids just won't really get until they watch it again when they're older, but there are actually underlying themes there that even under the kind of annoying sometimes voices and screaming and yelling and whatnot, there, there are actually things that go on in the world itself that are a deeper level. Um, something about nuclear wasteland and like, you know, the, it actually being a post-apocalyptic world without explicitly ever telling you so. Um, and uh, I, I don't, I, I don't watch adventure time, but I do watch, uh, Phineas and Ferb, which you have said uh, is very good. It's a very good show. Uh, you know, not, not on the level of avatar, the last airbender, but, uh, you know, like adventure time, it's a show, you know, more for the youngerish kids, uh, not super young. It's not like a, a toddler show, right? Um, but late elementary school, and uh, it's a, it's a very intelligent show. I I, I enjoy it when I watch it. Um, me and my little sister both. Uh, in fact, it was my little sister who got me uh, 
hooked onto it. And I say little sister, but she's only uh, two years younger than me. I I say little because I have two sisters. So there's a younger and an older one. Um, And my, uh, yeah, my sister is not the kind of person who watches a lot of TV. Not, not like I do. So when she was like, this is a good show, you need to watch it. I was like, what is going on? Um, (laughs) Why does she like it? Uh, And then I watched it and it is very, it is a very good show. Um, it's just intelligent. Uh, and, you know, the stories are simple. It's what are we going to do today? Uh, it's almost got a pinky in the brain aspect to it like that, except any we're not trying to take over the world. Um, but, you know, every episode you can expect the exact same thing. And it's still a good show. <laughs> it's like yeah. every episode, Phineas and Ferb are going to think of something new to do. Uh, every episode, Doofenshmirtz is going to do something crazy. Uh, Perry the Platypus is going to start stop Doofenshmirtz, and somehow that's all going to come together in the end so that whatever Phineas and Ferb invented gets disappeared in time that Candace cannot show their mother what Phineas and Ferb are doing in the backyard. That is the summary of every episode. <laughs> every episode. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's still a fantastic show. And I'm really looking forward to the, uh, the summer special this year, which is an Avengers uh, – not an, it's, it's a Marvel crossover, not just Avengers. Spider-Man is in it too. So, um, yeah, it's going to be great. Um, cool. Let's see. I'm trying, I'm thinking, is there, there are lots, uh, there's lots of plenty of other examples, but I, I don't know that any of them would drive our point home better. I mean, the general, general point of what we're saying is that, Hey, kids media can be really good. It's actually important to make it good. And it's perfectly valid to criticize kids media the same way you criticize adult media. So, Michael, why don't we close this out with uh, if you were to recommend a piece of children's media or, you know, different ones based on the medium uh, to adults, what would it be? Oh, well, of course, as we've discussed, um, Avatar The Last Airbender. But we won't count that as mine because that would be taking the easy one from you. Um, oh. uh, there, there, so we, we'll just say that we won't count that as either of our suggestions. Uh, that That is a mutual suggestion. Um, that is a mutual suggestion. Yes. Yeah. So Avatar The Last Airbender is an easy one. Uh, I would say for television... Hmm. You know, I'm not watching any current kids' shows right now. It doesn't have to be current. Okay. Um, of course, I would recommend the old uh, Batman the Animated Series, but also if you... And, and uh, basically anything else in that sequence of animated shows so batman the animated animated series superman the animated series but um i would more aggressively if you're someone who doesn't want to go through some of the simpler stories you could jump straight to batman beyond and the uh justice league and justice league unlimited those are still targeted towards kids but they're much more intense than the batman and animated uh excuse me the batman and superman animated series are so those are really really good examples um I would also suggest um, Gargoyles for people. It was a Disney animated show from a while back. It is actually, I've discussed it before with Mandy. Uh, I can't remember if it was on the podcast or not, but that is actually the kids show that got me into uh, Shakespeare, (laughs) which sounds weird, but it would make sense if you've seen the show. Um, Those are all my my straightforward the, yeah but those are probably my go-to ones for for tv um for books clearly harry potter 
um, and the Hunger Games, if you haven't already gotten into those, because those are big and they're a big part of our culture already, uh, I would actually suggest to some people as well the um, the Percy Jackson series of books. Which still nine? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Should I stop suggesting as many as I am? No, uh, it's okay. Keep going. What else? Um, and I guess for movies, just. Anything by Pixar, pretty much. Uh, the 90s animated movies from Disney. And uh, and I'll leave... And then I will specifically choose Kung Fu Panda if you haven't already watched it. But I feel like movies, people are much more willing to watch a few adult... Or a few kids' animated movies, the family ones, than, than they are read books or, uh, or especially watch TV. So, uh, yeah. I'll... How about you suggest some? Um, I think when it comes to TV, I'm going to recommend uh, currently on uh, Tron Uprising. Uh, if you like Tron and Tron Legacy, you will like Tron Uprising. That's that's just the way it is. <laughs> I still have not watched um, any of that. I need to get in on it. <laughs> I know. I know. You, you do need to watch it. Um, uh, going a, a little more old school, and you know, I don't really think I need to recommend this because I think most people already have watched it but technically it is children media uh buffy the vampire slayer um it does get a little new adult at the end because they go into college but it does start as a teenage show um and it's a fantastic show um finney simferb as i've already said it's a great show you know it's not something it's not like it's not serialized, so it's not something like Tron Uprising where I feel like the need to watch it every week when it comes on. Uh, I just kind of catch an episode when it's on, but it, it's very enjoyable. Um, you will love it. Um, you know, this this goes without saying with Avatar, but just so the name is mentioned, Legend of Korra. Um, yes. And you don't need to have seen Avatar to enjoy Legend of Korra. Though, though we do recommend doing so. We do recommend it. <laughs> yeah, but the new season just been told starts in september <laughs> yes pretty darn exciting it is it is very exciting we are very excited about it yes um, uh when it comes to books i uh, i love children's literature uh, i write children's literature i love children's literature it's like my thing um so of course percy jackson you you have to read it um i'm also going to recommend the bartimaeus trilogy by uh Jonathan Strahd, Michael Strahd. Oh, now I can't remember his first name. The last name is Strahd, S-T-R-O-U-D. Um, but the Bartimaeus trilogy. Um, let's see. What else? I I really love middle grade. Middle grade is like my passion uh, when it comes to books. Middle grade being the Harry Potter uh, age level. There are so many good ones there that are classics, like uh, you know the Darkest Rising series. Uh, that. That's just classic. If you like Arthurian legend kind of stuff, you're gonna love that. It, it's it's older, so it's got the writing style's got more of an almost like Chronicles of Narnia feel. Though other than writing style, they're not comparable. Um, so I, I recommend that. You know, if 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 you like Arthurian stuff and you haven't read the Lost Years of Merlin, you have to go do that now. Um, let's see. Uh, so many so there's so much good stuff on my shelves there uh when, when it comes to young adults uh, a new movie series that uh they just actually finished filming on that you'll probably want to read the books for is uh divergent by veronica roth uh i 
I greatly enjoy those books. Um, How many they, books is that? Right now, there's only two. The third comes out this summer, and that's it. So, okay. um, it yeah, it's a trilogy. So we're not talking lifelong commitment or anything. Uh, most young adult novels aren't going to be a lifelong commitment. <laughs> um, I mean, not in how much you love them. I mean, like you know, like in like continuing keeping up with them. Right. This is not George R. R. Martin. Okay, you're not going to wait seven years between books. Um, I oh, The Thief by uh, Megan Whalen Turner. Uh, it's a, right now. It's a series of four books. This this might be the closest we have to a George R. R. Martin esque wait because we never know if there's going to be a next book. But uh, <laughs> because because they're 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 more episodic than than serialized. Um, but I those books are fantastic. You know they're sold in the young adult section, but it's one of those books that I feel like is a it's an anything book, like a middle grade book. It's a young adult book. It's an adult book. Everyone would enjoy these books um so the first one is called the thief uh the next one's queen of atolia then king of atolia and then a conspiracy of kings um oh if you read those books <laughs> you're probably going to want to read them in order and do not read the jacket like the blurb for <laughs> any other book that comes after the thief unless you've read the thief because it will spoil you I- i'm just saying the back of every book after the thief spoils the thief just so you know. Um, though I do have a friend who read The Queen of Atolia first, and she still greatly enjoys those stories. So apparently you can read them in any order you want and still enjoy them, just so you know. Um, so uh, another quick thing, though. We, uh, we totally forgot to mention some of the basics that you have to read if you haven't yet, right? Um, there's uh, Ender's Game, of course, which we've mentioned before. Of course. So, But Ender's Game technically when it was published, was considered an adult novel. Was it It's really? sold in every section of the bookstore, yes. Yeah, yes. but... It is sold in the adult section. It was, was considered it an adult... was as? An adult novel. Was it? I always assumed yes. that it was just written tor- targeting kids. No. Oh, okay. No. Orson Scott Card had no intention of it being a kid's novel. Interesting. I did not know that. Um, there are other older ones that... I mean, you, you mentioned um, A Wrinkle in Time, which I have not actually right. read yet so i feel terrible which makes you a terrible person it is literally it's been in the bag that i carry around with me for months and i just haven't i i always have something else occupying me so i uh one day i just need to sit down and finish it knock it out in like a couple hours but um yeah i, I was trying to think of other really obvious ones that everybody needs to make sure to read um i don't know Harry wow. Potter is probably the most obvious, but you already said it. <laughs> um, let's see. Other books. Um, uh, oh, if you have not read Feed uh, by M.T. Anderson, not to be confused with Feed by Mira Grant, uh, that is probably one of the classics of I was, young adult I was scared books. for a second there because you mentioned Feed by... Mira Grant, no, no. Uh, or you mentioned Feed, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that that no, was no, no. not so great. <laughs> it's it's written by uh, oh, but Michael, I read Feed, okay, <laughs> by Mira Grant. This is a separate discussion. Just okay. because the incomparable feels one way doesn't mean I feel the same way. Okay, right. um, but Feed by M. T. Anderson is a classic, uh, modern young adult novel. Like uh, I think it came out when we were in high school, Michael. Okay. Um, so not super old, but not new. Um, I mean, 
I think the first line of the book, the first line, seriously, it sells it. It's like, uh, we went to the moon and it sucked. Um, <laughs> but it's, 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 it's a very, it's a science fiction book. It makes you think, um, it's definitely young adult. Um, it's, it's from a male perspective, which is unusual in young adult novels. Um, and uh, yeah, it's very enjoyable. Michael, you should probably read it and let me know what you think afterwards, uh, okay. especially since uh, one of the things I found, this is, this is slightly off topic, but one of the things I found that drew me in when I read Feed as opposed to when I read a um, modern, a more modern young adult novel is uh, it was written when we were in high school. And I can tell it's like the, the main character talks like I talk in my head, uh, if that <laughs> makes any sense. Um, I'm like, wow, <laughs> this, this is aimed at us. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so yeah, uh, it also has a very similar premise to one of my favorite outer limits episodes. So of course I was a sucker for it. Um, let's see when it comes to other forms of media, I already talked about TV, right? Oh, so, uh, I have to, I have to put it, put in a shout out for young Avengers, which technically, technically children's. Uh, as in, you know, it's for teenagers. Okay. <laughs> uh, I loved Young Avengers. Um, it's basically about, it's just about as YA a comic as I can think of out there, um, except maybe The Runaways, which isn't currently ongoing, but I'm also going to recommend. Um, so it's, it's about a group of teenagers. Um, they, they're called the Young Avengers, so they're Marvel. They're Marvel um, and uh, it's just very enjoyable. Uh, you don't have to go all the way back to the beginning. You, you can start with the current run, um, uh, which uh, I, they, they started renumbering them. So it's a number one, uh, volume two, um, being written currently by uh, Kieran, Gil- Kieran Gillen, who we already all know I adore, uh, <laughs> and uh, illustrated by Jamie McKelvey. So it's, it's very good, and I recommend it. Um, oh, Another oldie but goodie YA book. Uh, oldie as in, once again, came out in the 90s. Not super old. Sabriel by Garth Nix. Um, it's, it's a good one. It's fantasy. Uh, it's about a necromancer. And there's a soft place in my heart for necromancers, but it's still still good. Um, yeah, that's all. I'm going to stop recommending things now before I recommend everything on my bookshelf. So... <laughs> Yeah. Um, anything I, I, we else? Should prob- no, I, I don't have anything off the top of my head. And of course, as soon as we stop recording, I'm probably going to think of about a dozen. Um, I would have to leave my room to go to my bookshelf in order to come up with more. Uh, <laughs> I looked at my bookshelf before this podcast. <laughs> I should have. I realized about five minutes in that I probably should have gone gone over there and just scanned it really quickly beforehand. Um, because I definitely have several things on there that are not coming to mind right now. Um, yes. I think that means we can, before you recommend the entirety of your library, we can probably stop here for the week. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, so, uh, until next time, everyone, uh, please have a great week and, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, TrivCrucial, or you can follow Mandy at Brown underscore AJAH, and you can follow me at 
A-U-H-I-M. Have a good one.